Happy Friday, guys, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Dubs. I'm your host, Bill T, and I've survived Corona. <laughs> I'm almost done with this Corona nonsense. I took a week off of work, and uh, pretty much for me, it accounted to a pretty bad head cold. So no need to fear, guys. The podcast will keep coming, and your boy, Bill T, is all right. I know you guys are worried. I know there's a lot of people losing sleep out there, but don't worry. Uh, we dealt with this last crazy week of what's been going on, and it's not over yet. But uh, listen, we're here to talk about Volkswagens. Forget about all that stupid nonsense that's going on in the world, and that's what we're bringing to you today. So a while back when I interviewed the guys from Grand National Roadster Show, uh, we got talking about uh, some cars that are going to be there and whatnot, and a car they were trying to track down for a while. That was uh, news to me, and I'm sure to a lot of you guys out there to be news to you as well. I'm talking to Carpo, and Carpo tells me, he says, we're trying to get Crate Mueller's bug there. And I'm like, Crate Mueller, never heard of it. He says, that's the first chopped Volkswagen. I said, what do you mean the first chopped Volkswagen? Well, he tells me this car was a 1956 bug that was purchased in 1955, and he chopped the bug in 1955. So this car, at the end of the podcast, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through a list of all the mods to this car. If you click on the detail on the links of this podcast, you'll see it'll take you to the blog page. At the blog page, I'll have the pictures that I have available, and I'm trying to track down which VW Transit was. It was in 93, and I, I can't remember exactly what month VW Transit was in, but it was in VW Trends. At the time, it was featured 93 in VW Trends. It was red, chopped with a... Uh, with blue blue and white flames on the front, I think, and the wheels were kind of drilled, and it had a, had a different look to it. And the reason it looks so different is because this car was actually built in the 50s. Uh, Creighton has been in the body shop business for a long time, served, uh, got drafted twice. He's got a great story. He's from the, the greatest generation is what they call him. And uh, just a just a, uh, a good, innovative guy that was a little bit ahead of his time when you hear about all the mods that were done to this thing. And it's crazy, and you gotta you gotta look for a lot of them. I mean, just a couple to give you a, a little teaser is he had adjustable front suspension in 1955, um, and what I mean by adjustable, and it wasn't get out of wrench and adjusted; it was like push button adjustable. Um, he had chrome trim from a 55 Dodge on there. I mean, he was rocking a sprint car wheel, uh, channeled the the body, which is probably one of the toughest cars to channel as a Volkswagen because the the pan. But, I mean, he did so many different mods to this car back in the 50s. And uh, it's interesting to see the response he got when he took it to a car show. But it's a, gr- it's a great podcast, a lot of history. And this is history I didn't even know about. So um, someone at VW Trends knew about it back in 93 because the car was featured and the story was there. But because of the time and, and whatnot and the lack of appreciation for our VW history, maybe no one really paid attention to it. So... Get your VW Trends magazines out there. Make sure you post it on Instagram or Facebook and tag Let's Talk Dubs. And if you can find the article, that's got Creighton Mueller's 1956 Chop Top Beetle. Uh, that's on this week's podcast. And at the end of this podcast, we'll do some shout outs. Uh, don't forget to support the podcast. Go to letstalkdubs.com. Go to the store, buy some merch, pick up a shirt, a hat, or something cool, sticker pack, or what have you, and uh, support your favorite podcast. Also, don't forget to share it with a friend. We love when you guys share the podcast with a friend. Helps us grow our listener base. We're pushing close to 10,000 strong in regards to followers, between followers and listeners and all that stuff combined. So we're, uh, we're growing, man. We've got guys in Ireland listening to us. We've got guys in Sweden, Germany. I mean, there's guys all around the world, plus our stalwarts in the United States, man, all the guys out here in the stateside listening to us. So... You guys have any topics or questions you want uh, shot out there? Send me an email at bill at letstalkdubs.com. 
So without any further ado, guys, let's listen to Creighton Mueller, the first chopped bug in history on this week's Let's Talk Dubs. Okay, everybody, on today's show, I've got uh, a gentleman who did the first chopped beetle uh, that we know of in recorded history, uh, a custom Volkswagen. So on today's podcast, I've got Creighton Mueller out of Tacoma, Washington, who's uh, 85 years young and had his first chopped Volkswagen in 1956, was his 55 beetle. Creighton, welcome to the show. We always start the podcast, and I know you've got a long history that we want to talk about in car customizing and whatnot, but what the first thing we usually talk about is your VW and more specifically your VW story and how you started with a Volkswagen. Well, I, I was looking, I liked 34 Fords and 40 Fords, but they were always rusty, and then Volkswagen came into San Diego, and it was there was nothing. It was perfect. So I, I got it for, I paid eighteen thirty-five for it. And it was the 55 Deluxe. They unloaded it at San Diego Motor Imports. Uh-huh. And I drove it home. That was it. And how old were you when you got the car? I don't know. What was it, 19, 20? 20 years old? Yeah, because I had a Mercury before that. I still had that. I got it still. Yeah. You got a you wanted a 32, 33 Ford, but you ended up getting a Volkswagen because it was more affordable and it was a brand new car. Was that your thought process on it? Well, there was no rust on it. It was all brand new. And now you're down in San Diego. Was there an issue with finding rusty cars down there, or there was just because the metal they used? No, I, I lived there for 20 years, and... Chula it's about three miles from Tijuana. And uh, I started playing with cars in about 1950. And uh, while I was in high school yet, and then I got out of high school and I started doing cars for other guys and kept on going. And when you got uh, the, when you got the Beetle, What's the story with the beetle? How soon after you got it were you were your plans originally to chop the beetle? I mean, you were a car customizer yeah. and No, not- that was it. That was just I got a lot of static from my parents, but it that's what I planned on doing with it. We uh your parents weren't happy about you doing the chop? No, cuz they seen a lot of the other 32 and 4s and 36s that I had and I cut them up, and then yeah, I wasn't happy with them, and so I threw them away. So you just cut up a car, and then the chop didn't come out right. You just got rid of it. Yeah, they were cheap. I bought a thirty-four Ford Victoria for ten dollars. Wow, ten bucks from a guy. Yeah, I cut it up, threw it away. So now looking at this car, um, it, it's it's a real it's kind of a pull down chop. Now that you you maybe you couldn't pick a more difficult yeah. car to to chop. It's got a it's got a stock windshield in it. 
So you just tilted the front windshield back at that, like it looks like about a 30-degree right. angle? I took three, three-and-a-half inches out of the top and then laid the windshield back and cut it to fit and everything. That's how it wound up. Wow. And then this car, so you didn't do, you didn't just stop there with the chop top. There was numerous modifications you did to it. So can you list the oh, modifications yeah. you did to it, like uh, headlights, well, interior, stuff like that? It's got it's got 55 old headlights upside down on the front fenders. It had the, probably one of the first height control systems where I had a a button there, and I could turn it on and raise and lower the front end of the car about four inches. Really? And how did you and, do that? Uh, I got some uh, solenoids from uh, a junkyard there that had a lot of aircraft stuff, and I got those, and I added to the control arms on the front end and and welded them in, and, and that's how I got it. And were they hydraulic? Uh, yeah. So you had like a I little... Took a, I took a one-gallon can of hydraulic fluid and put it in there and, and then tied it into a, a switch so that I could release it and lower the car as I wanted to. Now, was I that... I getting a lot of static being too low on the ground by the state or city cops in San Diego. And then the, the, the hydraulic tank, it, I'm looking at a picture online. Is that the tank? It's like a cylinder tank with a, with a, with a push-in rod that sits underneath the steering wheel? Uh, no, the, the steering wheel, I, sit, I noticed on the firewall that the front firewall was imprinted for right-hand drive. So I thought I'd give it a try, and I switched everything else over and made right-hand drive on my car. And the pump next to it, uh, they used to come on midget autos all the time. I put that on there, and at first I used to use it to pump up air into the gas tank. I had the gas tank special made, and the, the hydraulic uh, gear that's right behind it uh -huh. was from a 47 Chrysler. The other one went in the 50 Mercury. There were two of them. And what did you use the, the tank for? You pumped up air pressure in the gas tank? Oh, the gas tank was just for gas. Or did that you have... I had that special made out of aluminum, yeah. And I'll fit and said, huh? So the cylinder that's under the dash, what did you use that for specifically? Oh, it's right behind it. It's It was uh, opening and closing the hood electronically. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. I had the other one on the 50 Mercury, and it did the same thing for it. So the, the hood was electronically actuated? Yeah. Through, with Like using a gear? Yeah, it had a gear. I had to shorten it a little bit, and I put a, a bar across the hood and welded it in and then put this gear and tied it into it so that I could press the button. There's about 10 buttons on the head headliner over the windshield and all those work different things like the doors and the uh, hood and um, oh gosh there was a couple other things in there yeah because it appears that you've got the the door handles were shaved you had the uh, hood handles were shaved and then uh, it looks like you you drilled the wheels on it did you drill the wheels or 
Yeah, those wheels, the front wheels, uh, 13 inch, they came off uh, the spare tire on a Metropolitan, on a 60 Metro. And, uh, the back ones, now we've had to change those a couple times. They're off a, a 15 inch Chrysler. And we welded the Volkswagen center to the Chrysler uh, ring on it. Oh, really? Because it uh, it needed more height and back, uh, so that it would go go with the engine. And then I see some louvers on the hood. Did you? Now you did the louvers I on did the hood that. too. Jim Jim Culvert Racing. I had that done just just for something to do and make it look different. That's all it's there for. And then the chrome trim down the body line on the side, what was that off of? That's 55 Dodge, except for the uh, the door, the, the front panel or the cowl and the door are uh, stock. And then it goes into the Chrysler on the, or Dodge on the back with the dip and check mark like that. And they go over the top a little bit on over the rear wheel. Yeah, it looks pretty cool. So back then, I mean, when you're doing this car, this was a brand new car that you did this to. Yeah, yeah, it was. And then your your parents it did was black at first, and your parents didn't know that you chopped it, right? Yeah. How did they find out that, that you the chopped first it? Thing I did. Then I then I took and cut the inside center tunnel, and I added a four inch piece of steel all the way around inside, so that the the body dropped down the the chassis is still still stock height, but the body went down, and then uh, there's a dip in the pans on the back for the rear passengers. I cut those out and flattened it so I get more room. I I was too low to the ground otherwise. So the the chassis sits stock height, but you actually channeled the car. Yeah. You can't you can't tell that it's been channeled or anything. It just you know it's lowered because it's only about oh two inches off the ground. Well, yeah, and the and the tunnel seems really high in the car. Looking at the pictures of it, the tunnel yeah seems quite a bit high, and the the emergency brake seems to be relocated and pushed forward. No, that was still right where it was. I left all that everything in the tunnel all is all the same. The uh, Wiring to the back of the motor and everything else came from uh, uh, pipped uh, panels there up under the hood, uh-huh. and they went in the. T- on, I put CA plugs and uh, uh, bolted it to the tunnel underneath so that they came out in the back on, over motor in the back. Yeah, and then I had. Uh, at the first go around, I had uh, Sonny Angel. He was a big championship bike rider. Mm-hmm. He uh, he bored the thing up and made it bigger, but it still wasn't big enough. So we got more out of it. We got about a little over two thousand cc's in it. What in in nineteen fifty six? No, that that came in about seventy. Uh, okay, so nineteen seventy fifty six. 56, I just had it, uh, he, he did bore the engine for me, and I had, uh, another guy worked at, uh, Roar Aircraft. He made the dual carburation for it, and I had Solex on it, and that really wasn't very good. 
So I, uh, yeah, and I tied them together. So it, it had dual, dual carburation. And then I took a couple glass backs and I crisscrossed them back and they're in, in under that back panel. Under the rear apron? Yeah. But uh, I had to take the trunk lid and, and I had to notch it for the generator pulley. So there's a bump in my back uh, panel there. It's all, it's all finished off and everything, but they, so they had to clear that, that pulley. On the rear of the car, the deck lid had a big bump on it for the, for the pulley to clear because you, because you dropped the body over the chassis. Yeah, it it looked even all the way around it, it, so that it would look like it should. Sure. And then what? So you and and look at the picture here. You had gauges completely across the dash. I mean, it looks like you had ten gauges in that car. Let's see. What and, the, and what the was ga- it? gauges on the dashboard? Oh, uh, the gauges were all stored water. I bought them. Uh, I bought everything there for it. Uh, this this. The tachometer still worked off the right front wheel like it always did. Oh, really? Uh, everything else was added on the oil oil temp for the rear end and, uh, you know, gas gauge. All that stuff was all added on. And I, I put a little lip over the the uh, gauges that way. It sticks out a little bit. Yeah. So you welded. And then I were the dash huh? the, the gauges were set behind the dashboard? No, they were right on. I blanked off the dashboard. Uh-huh. The ashtray and the uh, glove box and everything. You know, I flushed everything out. Right. And then I drilled holes for all the gauges and put them in. Now nobody was doing a lot of this stuff back then, and and no, but nobody liked my car. <laughs> nobody liked Volkswagens. And so what happened when you show up to a car show? I didn't. San Diego Prowlers, I tried to get in that. They were big on Valets and 32s and Hot Rods. They didn't want me in there because nobody wants Volkswagens. So the first time I had, I had, uh, I took it to a car show in San Bernardino. Uh, it was black then and I put it in with two, two, 55 and 56 nomads uh-huh. that we chopped and they were all three lined up there and that was at the San Bernardino show and then I didn't show it no more for uh, oh, a long time until until one day uh, the second time I got drafted I got uh, I had the thing uh, for the Asphalt Angels in Belleville Park San Diego and I got, I got the, that was in there. And the next day, I, by Monday, I had to be up here to Fort Lewis, Washington. I'd already spent two, uh, the second hitch in the Army. Yeah. And now they recalled me for that Berlin crisis. So I was up here in Fort, Fort Lewis. And when I saw the way the, the economy was here and the land, I started buying. Oh really? I got out of the army. Oh, about two months before I got out of out of the army, I started a shop here, and uh, that was in '62. And we started that little shop, 
and we were doing pretty good. Uh, and it got bigger. Uh, I had a partner on it, and he once it made money, he didn't want me for a partner no more. So he, I went down the street and started buying some other land, and I got uh, I started buying more land all the time. I own more land on that street than anybody, I think. <laughs> and it's just be- because you were just investing into the into your own future. You thought land was too cheap. You'd buy it because they're not making any more. Well, it was just good stuff, you know. I yeah. built a then I built a Seven Eleven down next to the body shop, and uh, that one that one was doing I, well. The Seven Eleven did great. I bought an airplane with the money I got from the Seven Eleven. Oh, nice! And just down down there, I bought built started building a body shop. I built a uh, uh, thirty by eighty was the first tip, so it looked good. Then the next year, I bought another sixty by thirty. The following year, I bought a thirty by eighty on the back of the first building, and then uh, the next year, I bought uh, another section forty feet, forty foot by a hundred and hundred and ten feet. Really. And I, so then I, I started just buying more and more because I needed more room. I, I was getting a lot of business all the time. And you were doing collision work or you were doing customization? Yeah, just collision, just, just wrecks. Just doing wrecks. Well, I started doing some wrecks too, but the, uh, I found that, you know, you get three tenths of an hour to, to change a headlight, uh, flat rate on a normal car. But, to, to customize one, I only got fifty dollars. So there wasn't enough money in it, so I started doing collision work with it, and that's where I got into more into collision. I've only done a few custom cars up here in Washington. And now back back to the bug a little bit. So, just to get some of the history straight on the bug, it was only shown one time in San Bernardino at that show. No, it was shown twice. The second time was at Balboa Park. There was a show. I had about four cars in there. Uh, it's in, I, I don't know which magazine it is. The, the sweepstakes car was my Corvair. I had a 61 Corvair too. Oh yeah. And I made 61 Imperial headlights in it and chopped the top in an inch and a half just to bug people. <laughs> and it, it it looked you know it it got the trophy. I still got the trophy. It's about five foot high. It was the last of those big ones they they used to get. Yeah. But Monday that was in Sunday. I had to fold everything up, and Monday I had to be up here at Fort Lewis. So wow. I drove all night. My dad drove up here with me, and uh, we headed to you know. Everything was so fine. We were in, included with a, a Mormon group from uh, Salt Lake City in Twila, Utah, uh-huh. and they didn't really—they didn't like uh, hot rods or cars either. But yeah, they put tolerated me. Yeah, and this was so. And, and this was now. This is the show in Balboa Park. The first time you showed it was in San Bernardino. What year was that? Oh, that was about uh, 
said uh, that, no, let's see, about 59, about 59, I think it was. And you were, I mean, you've, did you do just your car or did you used to do a lot of customization work for other people? I did a lot of stuff for other people when I was in San Diego there. So people knew I you. Did, I had a partner. Yeah, I got a partner there for a while. Uh, he was partner with a guy, Gerald Gentry. They had done Hot Rod Magazine. They had that red 54 that was sectioned. Yeah. It was, it was real popular. It belonged to Sailor Bob. And uh, then he went with me, but he, he always had a, temper and he quit uh he only stayed with me about a month and a half he he moved to uh he moved to st john's arizona he i think he died last month he was 91 now you were bringing in partners because you were getting too much work people saw what you were doing as far as customizing i didn't have any partners in that that was all me yeah until i got up here to washington I tried to talk a lot of the guys that were in the army with me from Utah and stuff, but they none of them wanted to stay up here. They wanted to go back to Utah, so hmm. they did do that. I I had one fella. He started with me. Uh, he didn't want to be a partner though. He just worked with me. Yeah. And then uh, I was in San Diego on for two weeks and. He got killed out in front of the shop there. I, I drunk hit and run uh, Air Force guys ran over and killed him. Oh wow! So I was all alone there, and uh, I stayed pretty much alone. I didn't didn't have any partners at all. Now Nothing. they all uh, no, there wasn't any that I know of. Like we did in the interim, though. I I started a. Uh, a junkyard next to the body shop because yeah. I thought that I could get my parts easier. Sure. And then uh, one thing led to another, and I started a towing, which became one of the two largest in, in Tacoma. Oh, really? And then we finally sold that one, and we sold the wrecking yard and bought another one up in in another city, oh, about four miles away. But uh, we we got rid of that too. So I just kept the body shop, and I had my one painter's helper. He he came to me in '69. He uh, I was I was at a loss. I was getting so many guys and so much work. He wanted. He said he'd he'd take the shop we started in uh, Lacey. I used to pay him a dollar five an hour. Wow. He's a multimillionaire now. <laughs> he he has a house in Palm Springs and one in Lacey too. Now let me ask you let me ask you about this. So your experience building this car, because you're obviously a car enthusiast and you picked a Volkswagen because it was it was it was inexpensive to get. It was not the easiest car to modify. Where did you get? I mean, did you just are you just self taught with all your skills, or did you work with some other yeah. people? Yeah, I, most of the stuff I used to go watch people do that body shops once in a while and see them. Uh, the guy that lived in St. John's, he just sent me a, a framed box 
with my original body hammer and stuff. They didn't have all these fancy tools then. Right. And it's, you know, the uh, dollies were made out of a piece of file and, and a piece of steel rod from a steering column. And uh, the, hand, hand, the hammer was a, 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 a Porter Ferguson, I think. It was real cheap and cheesy, but I got that, and and I had a couple other things in there. I got that down at the building there, the other Lakewood. Yeah. And now, what was your experience like? So I just want to talk a little bit about your experience the first time showing this car. So you go to a, a typical car show, which is all American cars, and you show up with a Volkswagen. What's yeah. What's that like? I mean, what's that experience oh, no, like? there were some others. I... I used to go to LA there for different things and, and I hung around over at Barris's uh, shop, which kind of was a joke. His brother was, uh, worked with him for a while, but his brother didn't like him and he went and moved to Frisco again. He became a cop. Yeah. But the other guys I hung around with and, well, they, they talked me into coming down to the SL Angels car show so I came down with them and they had about three of their cars and uh I think Barris put one in he put a sixty a fifty four Cadillac in there. With the the only thing done to it was the upholstery was say uh, stitched like a piano. There was a Hillman in there and I know that. I had it chopped and lowered uh chopped and channeled Lowered uh, 56 uh, Ford pickup. Yeah. I had a 57 Ford uh, wagon that was chopped. Mm-hmm. And my Corvair was up front. They put that in the very front. There was a 54, 54 Chevy, uh, 54 Ford uh, two-door sedan that had mild custom work on it. And that was at the time that AMT came out with Metal Flake. I tried some and it didn't work for me. I didn't have the money that they had. But AMT gave Barris a, a, a car, a 60 Ford wagon. Really? And the guy's all slipping that. He, Barris didn't give him anything for nothing. So that was about it. Uh, the door buttons to open the doors on the car and the Volkswagen. If you reach into the, you still do it. Uh-huh. You got to reach into the back fender and press a, a bolt. It looks like a bolt there that holds the fender in, but it's actually the button it goes to a solenoid in under the seat inside the car, and that'll pop the thing open. Uh, now, once you finish that car, and you said you showed it only two times, it's only been shown. Yeah. And then later, the history of that car is you strip it down to redo it because it was featured in VW Trends at one time, wasn't it? Yeah, it was in a 75 cent trend books at number 109. It was in that book mm-hmm. with the two core uh, Camaros, Nomads, I mean. And then. Uh, here last year, I think, or year, early last year, was uh, cars and bugs or something like that. 
they did that about two and a half pages. A guy came in from Salt Lake named Burley, and he, he drove all the way in, and he took spent a whole day just taking pictures of it and everything else. Yeah. So I uh, he did that. I got his card. He wants me to call him. But uh, then I I had, uh, well, when I got, I got out of the Army the second time, I went to uh, uh, Bruce Crower, Crower Cams. Mm-hmm. They just wouldn't live down the street. They had a shop down there towards Tijuana. And he, he had stored the car. He was going to take and run it at Bonneville for me. Yeah. And put a bigger engine in it. But he never got that far. It just sat there in a storeroom and he never did nothing with it. Except he had a clutch man, a Mexican fellow. And, and he, uh, he used to go out and flew, they flew him out and, and he'd take care of the clutch problems on the dragsters and all that. And, uh, Garcia was his name. Yeah. When I came back out of the army, I tried to locate it, and it took a while, because Crower was busy being big shot. He he always ran the college suits and slide rules and stuff like that. He didn't. He really wasn't into cars too much. Yeah. But uh, Garcia told me he was his clutch man, but he he got he, he got quit or he got fired, I guess. Uh, he took and, uh, he got the car and stored it because Crower didn't want it down in his building no more. So he stored it over at this one building. It was out laying outside. It really wasn't inside. But I finally located the fella and there it was outside and it was all rusty again. But all of it was there. It was just all rusty. And not, no real bad rust, but just surface rust. So I gave the guy a few hundred bucks and, and had one of the fellas, I was living up in Washington here. I had one of the fellas towed over to his house in Chula Vista. Yeah. And he kept it there for about a week. And then one of the fellas up here wanted to go on vacation. So he, he took the trailer and his little S Chevy S10, and he drove all the way down there, and they put it on. I got pictures of that where they loaded it up on that trailer, and they towed it all the way back to Washington here. And what year was that? And that was oh, oh gosh, about seventy, seventy-eight. So you so you sold the bug? No, what? I just I I didn't sell it. I just he was going to store it for me, and then he didn't do nothing with it. Right, and so you, I still got the title and everything. It was all mine. So you wanted to get it back, and you kind of saved it from from it just getting lost forever. Yeah, I thought it was maybe for a while, but then then when I found out where they stored it. I went over there and I gave him a couple hundred bucks just just for the for doing me a favor and holding it. So he uh, they put it on a trailer and brought it back over uh, up here to Washington. 
And, uh, and from there, I, I took it apart again and I took and sandblasted everything I could mm-hmm. and then, uh, started putting it together. But Garcia took, he did take the motor out and gave it to his daughter. And I said, well, it was only a 1600 motor. It was 13 something and they bumped, they bumped it up a little more. But it wound up about 1600. At that point, uh, I bought another Volkswagen, mm-hmm. a 669, I think it was, and it had a, a bigger engine. So I took that a, apart and checked it all. And then I took all the pieces and I took it up to Ventura, California. Or Ven- yeah, Ventura, California. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Jack McAfee was number four in small sports cars at that time. It's up by Paramount Ranch. Uh-huh. And he, you know, I felt bad. He said, well, take it around the back day alley and then unload it and put it on the bench in there. Well, I, he had about four Carrera engines on the bench and here's my little Volkswagen engine yeah. next to those big guys. It, it made me feel bad, but. He went through it and did all the stuff there and checked it all out. And then I went over to Ed Iskandarian. Yeah. And he was just moving his location to a new building. And Ed's a character in itself. But I bought a 404 cam for it and put the cam in there so I'd get more get up and go. And then I brought it all the motor back to, uh, Washington here and I put it in the car and then I went and ordered uh oh gosh those special heads for Volkswagens they had dual ports on each side yeah and they had Weber 44s that would fit up so I put Weber 44s on the car and then uh tied them together with a balance bar because you had to have equalizer and uh then i i put it together it ran but it didn't run good so i took the fellas down down the street here and uh he tuned it all up and boy then it would really fly yeah so that's that's where you know i could do wheelies with it the bad part was when it came back down it would put a dent in that front panel there oh, underneath really? the hood yeah. So I only did it a couple of times and got tired of banging that out. So you got tired of banging the, the front apron. I brought it over and put it to the house, and, uh, and that's where it's at. And now how long? So you still own this car to this day? Sure. It's just sitting there. And what's the, the car sitting inside or outside? It's inside. It's, I got another warehouse I bought, and it's inside there with some other cars. And how no, much? It hasn't gone nowhere. Now, how much from the original black and white pictures that are out there? How much does it still look like that? It looks just like it, like the pictures. So it's still black. The car's still black, or what color? No, is the car? it's red now with flames. So when did you paint it red with flames? What year was that? Oh, oh my gosh! A few years after I got it back. When you had redone the car in 
in after you got it in 1978 is that when you decided to go back through the car and you you painted it red with flames and did all that stuff uh yeah right after that we did that okay and then and then you painted it red redid the interior because originally the, the car was black with tuck and roll interior the tuck and roll interior Originally, I had Jaguar XK120 seats in the front uh-huh. and nothing in the back. And Kaiser Poultry in San Diego did those. But we took those out somewhere, and they were gone, and I don't know where they wound up. But I took a Toyota seats. They fit just perfect, and I, I bolted there, welded them in, and so they'd slide and everything. And then uh, I took it to a fella up here in Tacoma that was in the army and did made parachutes enough. He did about six cars for me, and he uh, he reupholstered the whole thing in black leather. Oh, really? So it's yeah. now it's now got black leather interior in it now. All black leather. My my fifty Mercury that's chopped. That's black leather. They. Uh, 2017 coupe roadster, and not a coupe, but it's a roadster. That's black leather. Everything, everything but my Corvette. Nice. And so this car you finished the last time you you when you quote unquote rebuilt the car. Yeah. You finished the car in 1978, 79. Somewhere around there. And then. Never and really I put it in the garage. Never really showed it or any of that stuff, huh? Nope. Now I've been asked a couple times, but I don't do that. Yeah, you just built I it. Said, you know, you get a bunch of guys stand over there and look at the car. Oh, I would have done it this way. I would. I like it that way, and I don't need that, so yeah. I don't care. <laughs> no, I hear I, you. I I take and show the Model T or the. The Corvette or the um, 50 Mercury. Everybody loves the chopped 50 Mercury's because they they're so different. Yeah, they're. I mean, they're real popular for sure. Um, but yeah. The, but but the Volkswagen. So do you you have a special connection with your Volkswagen? A what? You have a special connection with your Volkswagen, like you, you you. No, I don't care. Oh really? Yeah, I I build build them to. Put them together. The Corvette. I took it from the ground up, frame off, and put, did everything a piece at a time, and then put it all back together. That was probably the most expensive one because parts for the '54 Corvette are really outrageous. Yeah. I bought some parts from the girl in Escondido and some. Uh, I don't know. I paid. Just for a hubcap, just one hubcap was five hundred and forty dollars. Well, the 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 Volkswagen's considerably cheaper to restore, but yours was more was more yeah, custom. Yeah, it's all done now. Yeah, yours is more custom than anything else. Yeah, well, guys, look at it, but then I don't know. I haven't I haven't done nothing with it. I've asked one of the kids take it out and drive it down the shop. Even it's about block and a half away, and just drive it down here and park it. Yeah, for shows or something that they they don't have any inclination to do that. So I don't know what the 
they're coming back, yeah. So I interviewed the guys from the Grand National Roadster Show a few weeks ago, and I know they were really interested in seeing if this car could be down at the Grand National Roadster Show because this year they're featuring the Volkswagen. And this car, I, I think one of the things with this car is the historical significance of it being the first chopped Volkswagen, you know? Yeah. I didn't have no way to get it down there. And, you know, one, one other question. Is this, the, is this the oldest car that you've owned? The no, long- I have a 17 Ford two-door hardtop. But I mean, is this the is this the the car you've owned the longest? This car, or or? Uh, well, yeah, I guess I I guess it is, and I've had some of the others pretty old Chevys and stuff. But you know, they well the fifty Mercury I got the year before. Oh, did you, so you've had no, the that fi- would be older. So the fifty Merc and stuff. I mean, you've had these cars for quite a while, so you don't really. Yeah, you're not. I don't get rid of them. <laughs> you're more. You just keep. You build them for yourself. Yeah. Once I build it, I know how it went together and what to do, and then I put it away. Does your Beetle still have the front suspension that's adjustable, the, the front end that raises up? No, I took it out. So now you're just running a, a static. I put the one gallon can that had the hydraulic fluid. I put that where the spare tire usually went. And how was that actuated? How, how did it work? Well, I had a, I had a, a button in there, one of those two buttons, and I pressed the one button, and it would actuate a little electric uh, motor out of an airplane, and it would jerk it up, oh, about two inches, and then I'd jerk it up another two inches. So I'd get about four inches out of it. And the, the uh, cylinders that pushed it, one was w- w- welded to the bottom a control arm, and the other one was welded to the uh, top part of the body. So, and then when I wanted to let it down, I had another switch, and I just turned it, and it it let all the hydraulic fluid back in the one gallon can. So it worked pretty decent then. That's so. That's that was yeah, really. It looked good. You know, it, I just didn't want to make. Nothing like a hash job or something. Sure, sure. Now, any other any other custom modifications on it that a lot of people didn't notice that you did? Uh, well, a couple things I did, and then I changed. Uh, but let's see. I most mostly to the motor. All the all the parts and wire and everything are aircraft quality, and they're. Yeah, Hewlett Packard, and they they run underneath the car through the tunnel. Really? And then I have a, a long uh, uh, steel rod. I think it was an electrical conduit. goes from the front to the back so that when you step on the gas pedal in front, it goes and, and pushes the uh, deal, the, the, the motor in the back, the carburetors. I have, uh, let's see, what, there was something else I did there. I forgot what it was now, I did. So you had a, so, you, you had a solid rod that went from the front to the back to the carburetors? To actuate the carburetors? To the carburetors, yeah. Really? It came up and then there was a small piece of uh, soft wire goes up around it. Wow. And so 
that actuated the because you had dual carbs in there before they made dual carbs for Volkswagens, right? Yeah, they're dual forty fours. Dual forty fours, and that thing, and, and so back in these days, when you were used to, when you're telling me that you knew you knew uh, Bruce Crower and Ed Escadirian, like these guys were all in that area that that you grew up in or that you were living at the time. Yeah, they were all there. Uh, Norm Gerbowski that used to have, he had that Model T on 77th Strip. Mm-hmm. He he came over. Um, let's see. Uh, the Bean Bandits, I don't know if you know them. Mm-mm. Joaquin Arnett, he he was very big at the time. He, uh, he, he lived in San Diego with his family. And, uh, let's see, uh, oh, Dave Schneider, Schneider Cams. Yeah. They built their own, uh, dyno. Him and Bruce Crower, they were partners. And then they got in a big argument one day. Uh, Chevy gave him a 61, 61, uh, Chevy two-door hardtop. Just, just gave it to him along with three motors to play with. Really, I remember that. Wow! And they put them on the dyno and then run them and blow them up. And then when I went up to uh, L.A. to Anaheim, I went up there and I went over. Uh, Chet Herberts was just down the street, about a block, two blocks from uh, Disneyland. Now, on the same side of the street, though. Now, who? So, for those that that are listening, don't know who the Bean Bandits are. Who are the Bean Bandits? Joaquin Arnett, he mm-hmm. he built all his cars out of aluminum. So he so, bu- he built a bunch of cars out of aluminum that he raced on the streets over there, or what? Yeah, you know, he raced them at, at the drag strip. Yeah, he they were always yellow like a banana, and then he had a, a little bean on the hood or on the cowling there with uh, wheels on it, running like hell. Uh, one of the guys that used to be in the bean bed, it's wasn't. One the Mexican was Joaquin Arnett. I don't know if you know him. And then, uh, then the other guy that went into uh, to uh, Indy 500 was he had a he worked at a little gas station down in El Cajon. I can't think of what his name was now. He only ran one year though. And he was one of the guys, one of the, one of the bean bandits. These guys, these guys were like land yeah. land speed guys, or they went to the like circle track. Well, Joaquin Arnett was colored. Yeah. He was the only one, and then the others were all you know all Mexicans. Yeah, and they they'd all hang around. They'd have their own meetings and stuff like that. They were they were pretty young. I think Joaquin was only about forty five at the time. Hmm. And uh, let's see, that was about about it. I don't know of any of the other guys. Yeah, I was thinking of Higgy. He took pictures at all the drag strips and everything of all the cars, and he was going through them. And uh, I tried to buy them. I I tried to buy them, and uh, and the. Uh, his wife said, "Well, he died, and he donated all the all the pictures to uh, the San Diego University." Oh, really? So they—that's where they went because I tried to buy them all. She's giving me some. Well, you know, I—I I tell you, I—I I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. 
Yeah. Well, there was a, about three magazines they put it in lately in the last year and a half. I did see one that looked almost exactly like it, but they didn't tilt the windshield. And it, it was red with flames, and it was on Magnum P.I. Oh, really? About about three, three four days ago. Hmm. Because I watch that sometimes. It's on about three in the morning, and I watched it, and it, I saw it there. Yeah, a red, a red chop top bug with flames, huh? It looks just just about like it, except the windshield isn't tilted. Yeah, yours has to be probably the only one I've seen with the front windshield tinted tilted back. Well, I tilted it back because I thought it would be better that way. But then the El Cajon PD gave me a ticket for being the windshield laying down too much. He says the rain will get on it and make a mess. And he had all kinds of razzle <laughs> dazzle. Now. Now my DeLorean and, uh, and the Ferrari both have windshields that lay back farther. So. Oh, yeah. Well, almost flat, right? Yeah. Well, Creighton, I appreciate I appreciate having you on the sure. podcast, and I would definitely love to uh, come take a look at the cars if I'm up in Washington. So who knows? I may be up there within the next uh, six months or so, and if that if that ends up being, I'd definitely love to come. So. Well, that's great. Okay, well, I'll let you go. Well, hey, I appreciate it, Creighton. Have a great night. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, so we'll give some shout-outs real quick. Uh, the White Knight gave us five stars on Apple Podcasts, and he said, excellent. I absolutely love this. Showcasing prominent influences in the VW world for all to hear. Keep up the great work. So leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, guys. We'll give you a shout-out. We'll give you a shout-out over the air. So all your friends will think you're cool. You're cool anyway because you listen to this podcast, so... Uh, now on with the list of things Creighton had done to this car. This car was chop channeled. Uh, you know, it had, uh, he had converted to right hand drive. He had smoothed the dash. Not only did he chop the thing, but he chopped it and leaned it all the way back. He had, uh, aircraft, uh, aircraft wiring in it. He had dual carb set up. I mean, the dude was the first guy to put a pimple on a deck lid, man. Come on. You've seen all these guys think they're doing something new and creative when they do the tranny raise. This guy did a body channel section. So all you guys that thought you were first, man, it was done back in the 50s. So it's pretty wild uh, the amount of custom work that this guy had, the front headlights and all that stuff. And if you hadn't taken a look at the pictures, go to the details down in the podcast description and click on the link and it'll take you to Let's Talk Dubs podcast blog page where you'll be able to see the uh, the modifications. You know I mean? Convert the thing to right-hand drive. I mean, this dude had an electric uh, electric hood that uh, went up automatically. I mean, this guy was way, way ahead of his time. So I'm glad I was able to track down that piece of history. Uh, appreciate Creighton for coming on the podcast. And uh, thank you guys again for listening. Uh, I enjoy doing the podcast because I know a lot of you guys out there really enjoy it. So uh, make sure you share it with a friend. And uh, let's keep growing the podcast. Uh, until next week, guys, more good podcasts to come. Later.